0: This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.com. Our scripture reading this morning uh, is found in the book of Hebrews. Uh, It's in chapter 11, and we're going to read all of the chapter. Uh, Typically, we read Old Testament and New, but as you'll recognize, as we walk through this chapter, we're getting the Old and the New, uh, as we reference so much of what the Old Testament teaches us about these great saints. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, let me begin reading, hear the word of the Lord. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, So that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient. Because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth and all these though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised since god had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect two more verses therefore and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God.
1: And now for the benediction. <laughs> it's good to be back with everybody. It's, uh, it's been, I think, a couple of years since I've been here at the church, other than for a few minutes, but uh, if I haven't met you before... Um, been able to join the church in February every year from South Florida. Um, This actually is the first year I got to see my shadow in Detroit. Um, I didn't know you guys had a son in the winter time, so that's been kind of nice, but um, I've enjoyed the time, enjoyed the time to teach, and and it's my pleasure to be here this morning. With the text that Aaron selected, I really wanted a 12 and 13 as well, but he thought this was going to be how small I should keep it down. But Um, I've I've um, been teaching on TULIP, so the five points of Calvinism, now we're going to do the seven points of Hebrews. Um, It'll be a number of different things that we try to pull out of the text here, Um, but if we can, before I pray, if we can put up the, we're going to put up the conclusion um, as we get ready to start the, uh, the 12, 1, and 2, and that therefore, I want to put that out in front of us as we get ready to go, because I know you've been going through the book of Hebrews, and the book of Hebrews is an exhortation to the church to a church that's being persecuted, a church that is suffering, and a church of people who are saying, you know what was better? What was better was what I had before. And it was mostly, it was a book of Hebrews, it was mostly Hebrew Christians, and they were turning back to the old faith, and the author of Hebrews is trying to exhort them to stay, to stick it out, and this is a big setup. We've had exhortation, but here's the setup. Look at everybody Who's gone before you? And there's actually a parallel. I don't know if this was intentional, although I suspect it probably was. We know the author of Hebrews was very well educated. We know he was a um, he was well educated as a as a Greek scholar, but he was also well educated as a Hebrew scholar. And if, you've, if you're familiar with the Psalms, you may recognize that many of the Psalms have this pattern of people who are, the author will be lamenting, it may be David, it may be one of the other authors of the Psalms, they're, they're in a hard time, they're in a, they're in a deep struggle, they're in a time of crisis, and you'll have Psalms that are set up with this starting place of just saying, God, I don't know what to do, this is dreadful, where are you, I can't see you. And the psalmist will then do something. They'll say, I'm going to remember what you did in the past. I'm going to remember what you did before me. And then you'll have, this, you'll have this kind of intentional process of going back and saying, no, I'm going to think of what God has done. And by thinking of what God has done, I'm going to be strengthened and empowered to be able to move forward. And so as we get ready to pray and we get ready to open up 11 Let's see here what 12.1 is telling us this was all for, and it follows that pattern in the psalm of when we are struggling, when we are in these deep times of crisis, looking back and remembering what God has done so that we can be encouraged and empowered and ready to be exhorted to continue moving forward. And so that's this language we have in 12.1 and 2. Here it is. Therefore, so because of everything we're about to hear, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so as we pray and as we open up Hebrews 11, let's be doing it with that thought, Lord, I'm struggling Remind me of what you've done so that I can be ready to set aside every weight and to run this race with endurance following you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will open up your word to us today. You have, uh, you've given us here through uh, the author of Hebrews, you've given us this, this huge testimony to the ways that, uh, that, that faith is powerful and faith is active and that through it we can please you, through it you will do things through us, through it we can do things that we would never have thought. And through it, we can endure suffering and hardship. Lord, you've given us this word to encourage us to carry on. And so we pray this morning as we look into your word that we would be exactly that. We would be encouraged, we'd be uplifted, and we'd be given the strength to continue on through whatever struggles and trials you've may set, you may have set before us. In your name we pray. Amen. So there's a few things here. There's so much. This is such a rich uh, text because every one of these is a story. You know, when, you, when you're preaching, I, I've kind of always gotten... If I'd had a consistent critique of my preaching, it's that I don't use enough stories and don't have enough illustrations. And here, so I'm finally given a text and it's all stories. And uh, they're sort of kind of done for me, but we're not going to have a lot of time to dig into all of these stories. But hopefully, if any of them, you go, I don't remember that, or Barak, who's that guy? Or uh, you're, you're wondering, and even at the end, there's references to things that aren't in scripture. They're, they're things that a Hebrew audience would have known. But if you've got your notes in your Bible, go back and look at these, because look, the stories... The author of Hebrews is reminding you of those stories so that you'll be reminded of what God has done. And if you feel like, I didn't even, I don't know what that is, go back and read so that you can be reminded, because that is what God is doing with the past. And it's something we should do with each other. But as we start here in Hebrews 1, um, in the the very beginning, 1 through 3, we've got something that all by itself could be sermon. And this will happen a few times. But something that's really interesting, and I want you to take note of, and if you're a note taker, uh, you may want to write this down. This is not a definition. It looks like a definition, especially in English, but it's really not a definition. There's some argument about that, but there's not much. When you go back and you look at the language, we're, we're not getting a definition of what faith is. We're getting a statement of what faith does. And that's what this whole verse is really talking about, faith and the activity of faith. And so we're going to read it first the way that we get it in the ESV, but I'm going to give you some alternative versions, try and explain a little bit better what's happening here in terms of what the author is telling us about faith. So Hebrews uh, 11, 1 through 3, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Sounds like a definition. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So it has this sound of definition, and people often use it that way. You know, what is faith? Well, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. But that really doesn't do well with the language. The language is giving us something more like, if you thought about, I was trying to think of examples of this. In English, if you said somebody to somebody, Confidence is the key to a good job interview. Well, that doesn't give you a definition of what confidence is. It gives you a definition of what confidence does. Or you might think, and uh, this, this isn't; these are not going to be human things. This is human faith. It doesn't have the same external power we're going to hear about here. Um, but I'm now in Detroit, which you guys have made us in Miami. We now are the most sad uh, football fans because you've... <laughs> You, had, you were the only team that had been longer since you had a victory in a playoff game. And so now we're now at the bottom. But if you think about faith in the Lions or faith in the Dolphins, which I have, it doesn't have external power, but faith keeps me hanging on. Faith keeps me sad every December. <laughs> faith ties me to this. And it isn't saying what faith is. It's talking about what faith does and there's, a, there's, a, there's a, um, a translation, I think, helps us to see that a little bit. Because what the author of Hebrews is doing is not giving you a definition of faith. He's trying to tell you what faith is in the sense of what it does. And there's a, uh, this is a translation that I found, trying to catch that, to try to give it to us a little better in English. Now, faith celebrates. Faith is the objective reality. That language of assurance feels like it's emotive but the author was trying to say, no, this is certain, unlike the Dolphins ever winning a playoff game or the Lions ever winning a Super Bowl, that that he's saying this is a certainty of things hoped for. Faith celebrates the objective reality, the certainty of the blessings for which we hope. The demonstration, faith celebrates the demonstration of events as yet unseen. On this account, the men of the past received attestation by God. In other words, the author of Hebrews is trying to say that the faith that God gives you is a guarantee, it's a certainty of that hope, that future hope. He's trying, to, he's trying to set us up to be ready to go through our life, to know that when God has given us faith, that faith is not just about a feeling. Like, it's, we're going to go to heaven. That faith itself is a kind of demonstration of the certainty that you're his, even when you're feeling very uncertain. These were people that were feeling very uncertain. These were people that were suffering. These were people that were in the midst of hardship, and they were walking away. Some of them were so close, they were barely hanging on. They weren't feeling assured. If what, if what the author of Hebrews was trying to say is, if, as much as you feel good right now, about God you're going to be used powerfully it'd be a bad message for the audience because this was an audience of people who weren't feeling very good in that moment he's saying to them I know you have faith I was there and we saw it previously in the book I've been there I saw what you did I know where you've been through it would have been just in the last few weeks that you would have heard this I remember remember how we gave all our money away remember how we helped each other faith is real you have it and faith is real and it does things so he's going to go into a list of things that faith does. And the first one, if we turn to Hebrews eleven four 4 through 6, the first one really gives us a, a proto-gospel, a very early gospel statement. And it doesn't look like that right away. But let's, let's read this, eleven four 4 through 6, because we have this idea of faith as a guarantee. And now we're going to have a list of things. And I'm going to pull out a few ways that God uses faith, things that faith does, ways faith are active. And the first one is to see that by faith we please God. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, because he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, where's the gospel here? When I say that there's are proto-gospel here, well, it's in really both of these stories. In the story of Cain and Abel, and interestingly, in the Old Testament, there's, the author of Hebrews here is pulling detail out that we don't have clearly in the Old Testament. But if you remember the story of Cain and Abel, They both brought sacrifices to God. And the text doesn't make clear what the difference is. Abel was a a hunter. He worked out in the fields, and so he brought meat. Cain worked the fields, and so he brought the the produce of the fields. And it says that God liked Abel's sacrifice and didn't like Cain. And then you'll remember Cain then gets angry about that and turns against Abel and kills him. And that's part of Abel being able to still speak here is because we remember that story. We know this early story. But Genesis really doesn't explain very clearly what the difference is. Well, the author of Hebrews is giving us that difference. Both of them did a godly thing, both of them did a thing that we're called to do, both of them brought sacrifices. A lot of people do a lot of work to try to figure out what was wrong with Cain's sacrifice. Maybe it wasn't first fruits. There there were early Jewish speculations about what the problems might have been. Maybe Abel did it more. Maybe it's because Abel's were bloody. There's not not clarity in the text, so people have speculated. But the author of Hebrews is giving us a very simple answer. Both men did godly things. They brought sacrifices to God. But only one of them was acceptable. It was the one that was brought by faith. See, many of us struggle with this. You may be one of those people who still, even though you've been in the church for years, you still want to make Christianity into a religion of doing things to be acceptable to God. So that I'm going to bring my sacrifice, and by bringing my sacrifice, then if I do it well enough, God will accept me. Cain and Abel both brought sacrifices. And there's nothing in here, there's nothing in the text that says Abel did it any better than Cain. But Abel did it out of faith. And it was acceptable not because Abel was acceptable because of what he did. It was acceptable not because it was done so well. It was acceptable because it came out of faith. And that's the message of the New Testament, the message that Christ gives, and the message that we need to be reminded of, and if we've never really heard it again, to be remind, to, to hear for that very first time, that it's not about the acceptability of our works, That being acceptable to God is not about the acceptability of our works. Being acceptable to God is about the faith that he's given to us as a gift and that being one of the realities, those objective realities of that faith, that God gives us faith, faith in Jesus Christ who did the work for us so that it's by his work that our work becomes acceptable because we are acceptable. Abel's sacrifice, the sacrifices of the church, the exhortation that we're going to be given, come and serve. This this book is strong on obey. But it's not obey so that you can be acceptable to God. It's right here. It's because you have been made acceptable to God, because you have been saved, because you do have faith. Bring your sacrifices. And they will be acceptable. You will be pleasing to God because he has made you pleasing. If that that gospel is unfamiliar, be reminded of it. Hear it now for the very first time. Christ is not calling you to do better so that he can love you. He's calling you to be loved so that you can do better. There's no getting there. There's no working hard enough to be acceptable to him. There is no thing you can do well enough that, like Cain, you could finally say, here, I did it, and then God will love you. It's only because you turn to Christ and say, please, I've got nothing. I can bring nothing. Will you love me? Will you call me? And then in that act, he is faithful to redeem and he will give you faith. He will make you righteous. And then the sacrifices are acceptable to him because of the faith that he has given to you. And like Enoch, who, was, who disappeared. like Enoch, who by faith just was removed. Didn't have to go through death. Like Enoch... By that faith, we will be preserved from death. You will be preserved from death. Not because you're able to do it. Enoch didn't have anything that he did that earned being prevented from death, that earned being taken up, that earned being taken directly to heaven. He's one of two people that we have in Scripture who just poof. They got to go straight up. No process, no dying, none of that stuff. They just got. But ultimately, we all get that. That is the offer to all of us through Christ, is that we will miss out on death. Yeah, we'll have this physical death that we have to go through. But that by faith we'll have eternal life and that we'll live with Christ forever. And Enoch is a symbol of that, a sign of that, something we could never do ourselves. So by faith, by faith we can please God. The text also in many places, and we're going to look at 11, 8 through through 10, One of the things the text is also going to tell us is that by faith, we can obey. By faith, we can obey. This is a big theme. We're going to look at just Abraham, but you'll see it in several places as you go read through the text. By faith, we can obey. Enoch and Abel did things that were above and beyond their ability. This is now saying when we have faith, we're actually empowered to be able to obey God in this life. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Notice, Abraham, is including in the text the idea that Abraham didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what was going to happen when he was going to get there, and it really wasn't that great when he was there. He went to the promised land and he lived in tents. And we don't have the same call, generally speaking, in our lives where God has said, hey, go to that place directly to us. But through scripture and through the book of Hebrews, through the overall testimony of the word, we have calls to obey. Calls to obey where it looks like if I do what God calls me to do, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where this is going to end up. I don't know if it's going to go well. And as we're being exhorted here, we're being reminded, yeah, God told Abraham the same thing. He said, go and do this and trust me. And in the end, I will work good out of it. And that that is this call that we have here, is that by faith we can obey, we can cling to God. Remember, these are people who were struggling. They wanted to get out. They wanted to leave. They were leaving. The author of Hebrews is saying, don't go. This isn't obey hey, this is going to be great. And we're going to see that, boy, at the end of this text. This is obey, clinging to God, saying, you'd better be there. I trust you. I've given my life to you. I am, I am relying on you to make this good. And I may not see it for a long time. I may not see it ever in this life. But I am going to trust you and rely on you because by faith I have that certainty of the things to come. And the author of Hebrews will use this again in the next um, in chapter 12, the next two weeks, you'll have this picture of heaven and remembering that picture of heaven. If we go to Hebrews 11 11 and 12, so faith, by faith, we can please God. By faith, we can obey God. Now, this is really the good stuff. This is almost kind of the Marvel movie stuff. By faith, we can be used for the impossible. We get a little superhero stuff in, in Hebrews 11. And that's the kind of the fun part. God can use us for what is impossible. Enoch went to heaven. We have several examples of it. Here's the one from Sarah and Abraham. And remember, this is not just about the nation, but this is the nation through which Christ came to us, through which redemption has been worked for all of humanity. And Sarah and Abraham were hundred years old, a little over, in Abraham's case, they were old. And they knew, there's no way, but God can use, by faith, God used them. And remember, they weren't like, yeah, I know what's going to happen. They laughed. They laughed at the idea that God would do this. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, speaking of Abraham, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. God used these people of faith, and we, as people of faith, can be used in ways that are to us impossible. Now, in this case, it really was impossible, and it's not. This is not. This text is not telling us all to be expect to be used in miraculous ways, or expect miracles to happen in our life, but that by faith we can continue to hope that God can work the impossible out of us, that the impossible is possible by faith. And then, as we close out chapter eleven, we've got verses thirty-two to thirty-eight. I want you to hear this and kind of listen for it, because there's there's it's it's an interesting rhetorical decision that the author chose to use because he's done so many good stories. Abel, like, Abel was the only one that was a little bit tough. But we're going to have kind of this triumphant, it's going to build this crescendo of really, really good stuff. But Remember where the people in the, in the, in the book of Hebrews, this audience, remember where they are, they are suffering. And so we're going to have this crescendo of what's awesome about faith, and then you can almost hear kind of the screech of a record player, like, when it switches gears and all of a sudden right in the middle of this, it's going to go to, wait, 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 this is not the stuff I want. This is not what I came to hear. So let's hear 11.32 through 38. By faith we can triumph and by faith we can endure. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, here we go, good stuff, conquered kingdoms, Enforce justice, obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured. I was supposed to be going back and hearing all these like triumphant stories to get me ready to go, and there's these big triumphs, and we have all this triumphant stuff, and then all of a sudden, the author just shifts to, by faith, look at all this great stuff, by faith, great stuff, by faith, great stuff, and you, know, you might get sawn in two, you might get killed, you might go about completely destitute, you might live in caves, you might get tortured. Well, because that was real. That was actually where they were. At this point in the church, that was exactly the sort of thing that could happen. And so as the author of Hebrews is trying to cause them to be empowered by faith, and even as we try to be empowered by faith, he's giving them an honest empowerment. It is true that by faith, God uses people in amazing ways. It's great that we share those stories in the church. It's great to hear and be reminded As happens in the Psalms when we're in these times of dread, to be reminded by faith, God has done amazing things. God has done impossible things. By faith, people like you and I can please God. By faith, people like you and I can be acceptable to God. But that's not the only Christian life. It's not the only. And even those people who had those wonderful big stories, a lot of them had dreadful experiences along the way to it. David wrote many of those psalms that are about deep despair. David, who lived in caves. David, who was, in some cases, triumphant in war. David, who got chased into caves by his own son, by the prior king. David, who was betrayed by friends. David, whose children were a mess. David, who suffered the sin and guilt, or the guilt and consequences of his own sin, David was one of the triumphant stories, and he was also one of the people who gave us some of the greatest expressions of lament that we have in the Bible, because of the depth of the darkness that God carried him into. As the author of Hebrews gets ready to encourage us to go forward, he tells us, by faith you can triumph, but sometimes by faith you can endure. And he's going to remind us of that as he moves forward. He's being honest with us. This life may be miserable at times. It may be inexplicable. It may be beyond your comprehension. But remember, faith is the certainty. Faith is the certainty. God is going to call you home. Faith is the certainty of heaven. Faith is the certainty of a better life to come. And so then we get to Hebrews 11.39 and these verses we put in front of us at the very beginning where the author draws this together to encourage us, to exhort us, to keep us carrying on. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, this is our This is our therefore that we saw at the beginning. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the author finally reminds us, we actually have it better than all of those people. David who obeyed, who conquered, who triumphed, who led Israel, who pleased God. Abraham, who went to a foreign land. Moses, who took the people out of Egypt. Sarah, who had a child when it was impossible. All of these people that went before, they never got to see in this life the promise. But the author of Hebrews is saying, We actually have more than they have already. You think that was great, that Moses got to see the promised land? You got to see Jesus. You got to see the point of the promise. You got to see the reality of it. You got to see the Son of God incarnate who is better than all of these figures, all of these things that went before. So he's encouraged. He's saying, listen, it's not just that they've got better stories, so be encouraged. You've got a better story than they were jealous of you. You're jealous of David because he was a king? David is jealous of you because you got to see the real Christ. So if they could endure, how much more should you be able to endure? Because remember, Jesus, the Jesus that you got to see, he endured for the promise that was set in front of him. What was the joy that was set in front of him? We were the joy that was set in front of him. Jesus endured the cross for us. So we... Endure this life for Him. And again, it's that gospel promise. It's not obey so that you can be pleasing to Him. Oh, we want it to be that. I don't know why our hearts go back there, even though it defeats us, because we come up against our guilt over and over again when we fail to do as well as we wanted to, as well as we hope to, as well as we plan to. And yet, still, it seems our hearts are just so broken where we want to do well enough to be pleasing to God, but going all the way back to the very beginning, this is the the encouragement to obey, the exhortation to follow. Not so that you can be acceptable, but because Jesus saw you as a joy worth dying for, and if you're one of his, he has made you acceptable. So now hang in there and live like it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this encouragement. Lord, we thank you for the stories of the people who've gone before us. We pray that you'd remind us of those when our hearts despair. Remind us of your work. Remind us of that certainty of faith. Not that we feel certain, but that it is certain because of what you've done. Lord, remind us that you do love us and that if we are in you, we are pleasing to you. And help us to obey out of joy that you've called us in that way. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you in this way that still thinks it's their job to become pleasing to you, so that you'll accept them. Work in their heart right now, Lord. Help them to see that it's it's just backwards. That you will love them as they are. That right now, by clinging to you, by calling on you, you will make them whole and make them righteous. That you will love them. And that you'll call them into this this body of broken people called the church to endure and to serve out of joy, knowing the hope that is to come. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.com.